Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Will all who care to join me in a moment of silence, followed by the serenity prayer? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Hi, I'm Jane. Hi, Jane. I'm Jim. And we're your leaders for this meeting. This is an Essanon couples meeting open to both Essanon and SA. This is a special meeting which deals specifically with couple relationships, sharing our experience, strength, and hope with the 12 steps of recovery. This meeting is being recorded. If you do not wish to be recorded, please do not share. Speak loudly enough for all to hear. Personal audio and visual recordings are not permitted. And please take a moment and silence all of your mobile devices. The topic for this meeting is the process of forgiving. Would someone please read the Recovering Together Issues Faced by Couples? And I'll need you to come up here. I'm sorry. Hi, I'm Tamara. And I am Mike. Recovering Essanon. (laughs) Recovery with Tamara uh, as an essay. Recovering together issues faced by couples. When we began our recovery, many of us in a committed relationship with a sexaholic were doubtful that it would be possible or even desirable to continue the relationship. Some of us were afraid that individual recovery would mean our relationships would suffer, while others were eager to end relationships. Some of us felt paralyzed by fear of the unknown after years of feeling in control. Others were numb, depressed, and frustrated. Many of us felt overwhelmed with anger and pain and wanted to strike back. We thought we could never forgive our partners, and we were not even sure we wanted to forgive them. Many of us felt used, abused, and mistreated, and we wondered if we should even try to rebuild trust and intimacy given the failed attempts of the past. We simply did not believe that we or our partners could change enough to make any real difference. It is clear that some relationships do not survive. It is also clear that a great deal of commitment is required by both partners if the problems caused by sexaholism and the family's reactions to it are to be overcome. But experience has shown that we can overcome our initial fears, misgivings, and problems. Today, through using the tools of the program, many of us are happier in our relationships than we ever imagined possible, achieving levels of intimacy we only hoped for previously. In Essanon, we learned that we need to concentrate on our own recovery and keep the focus on ourselves. 
But how does that fit with learning new ways of being together so that the relationship can heal? Recovering in a relationship presents us with a variety of issues. Isn't it irrational to trust a person who has proven untrustworthy? How can we communicate honestly with each other when we haven't for so long? Can our sexual relationship ever be a joyful and fulfilling expression of our commitment to one another? We thought we were committed, but but how long should we wait for real change to occur? We address these basic issues in our couples meetings by asking members of Essanon and their partners to share their experience, strength, and hope on how recovery has worked for them. We want to emphasize that while the couples' meetings are extremely helpful, they are not a prerequisite for recovery within the relationship. What does seem to be necessary is honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness on the part of both partners to work on themselves and on the relationship. Those of us who attend couples' meetings regularly have found them to be a safe place where we can freely share with other couples who have experienced similar issues and feelings. These meetings are also good opportunities to discover how other recovering couples are applying the steps, traditions, and principles of the program to their lives. Thank you. We have one more reading about forgiveness. Would someone please read that? Hi, I'm Sandy. I'm an Essanon. The disease of sexaholism wounded me deeply and I have felt tremendous anger. I know that continuing to carry hurt and anger is like dragging a big iron ball and chain everywhere I go. Dragging around that ball and chain has slowed my spiritual growth and could destroy my phys- destroy me physically. I believe I will be happier and healthier person when I'm able to forgive. In Essanon, I'm learning that to let go. I need to ask my higher power for help. So each day I'm asking God's help to surrender and let go one day at a time. I notice on days when I practice this surrender, my hurt and anger does not take over my day and I experience forgiveness toward the sexaholic and myself. I feel a huge weight taken off me. Sometimes by looking back, I am better able to see the progress in my spiritual growth and serenity in my life. I trust that through continuing to work the Essanon program, I will be happier and healthier, mentally, spiritually and physically. Further reflections. This was, of, this was our course. We realized that the people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms and the way these disturbed us, they, like ourselves, were sick too. We asked God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended, we said, out to, well, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I help to him? God, save me from being angry. Thy will be done. Okay, so now it's the time for the leaders to share for three to five minutes each, and then we will read the guidelines and open the meeting up for sharing um, from everyone in the in the audience. So I am Jane, and the the title again is a process of forgiving. And for me, um, the key word here is process. It. Um, doesn't just happen automatically for me and it never did it 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 started very very slowly probably you know a year or so before I really could even begin to forgive because it hurt 
it was very, very painful, you know, finding out what was going on in my life. And it was, and it hurt. So slowly but surely, the process of forgiving did begin for me. And part of it was by learning about the disease of sexaholism and that it didn't have anything to do with me personally. I think that that was probably the the best tool, the best help that I was able to use is that this has nothing to do with me. It took me a very long time to believe that. Um, it's hard to believe, it, again, because it, it hurts. Um, but when I started to grasp that and understand that and really believe that, then I was able to start the forgiveness process. Um, and another thing was not only did I have to forgive, I didn't have to, but I had to forgive me. You know, I thought at first it was just all about forgiving him all for all of the, the, the things that had happened in, in our, our marriage. But I realized, especially working my fourth step that I had a, I had to forgive me probably more than anybody else. Um, anywhere because I thought that I was stupid, that I, you know, how could I not see this? How did I not know what was going on? And I felt so, I just felt stupid. Um, and so I had a lot of forgiving of myself to do. Even though I am able to forgive and I have forgiven my husband, but forgiveness doesn't mean that I have forgotten. That that doesn't mean that I have forgotten. And, you know, I don't want to forget. I mean, I don't dwell on it. I don't think about it. I don't purposefully try to think about it. But I haven't forgotten. And to me, not forgetting is a tool. Because if I forget, it has nothing to do with him. But if I forget, then I'm going to go right back to the same actions that I took myself. Um, because a lot of this, you know, I mean, I have my own, uh, huge part in this, this, um, this disease. It's different than his disease, but it's still my disease. Um, so I haven't forgotten. I don't want to forget, but I have forgiven and I, I constantly, I have to work on forgiving myself much more than I have to work on forgiving him because I'm very, very difficult, very, very hard on myself. So it's a process. Um, it's a lifelong process and that's okay because, um, that's, that's life and that's okay. Thank you. Thanks, Jane. Hi, I'm Jim. Um, I thought initially we heard this topic, I thought, oh, well, I'll have a pretty short share because what do I have to forgive, right? I mean, I'm the aggrieving party. And, uh, the, you know, certainly that was, uh, my attitude at the beginning when I, you know, first came in, uh, into program was that, well, I deserve all this that I'm getting and more. Uh, because I'm the one that's committed the wrongs. And, um, you know, it took a long time to sort of figure out that living in that space is not recovery. Living in that shame space is part of my problem. 
uh, and, uh, and I had to move away from that. Um, so whether I call that forgiving myself or just moving into, uh, moving on, uh, I, I don't know how to describe that, but, but I had to achieve, um, a nor- normalcy or an equal footing in our relationship. Um, and, and not, uh, just automatically assume that everything that has bad in the world, in our life, in the house, that anything that I see or touch is automatically bad because I'm a sexaholic, um, that, that, you know, it's not an automatic thing. Um, so that was one thing that, that I had to learn is I had to, I had to learn in recovery to, to reach that point. But in order to get to that point, I had to be sober and I had to be working my program because if I wasn't sober, then I had no right to, uh, to make those claims. If I wasn't actively working my program. Um, so then the other thing was then as I began to work the steps and forgiveness started to take on other dimensions, uh, you know, like, uh, in the reading that Sandy did about forgiving others, things like my brothers and my dad and other people, um, as, as I began working my steps, that began to take on a different dimension. And then I realized that I don't really know how to do that because at first forgiveness was like, oh, well then I get to be in the superior position. Oh, I'm going to forgive you. Now I'm better because I've forgiven you. And that was an attitude that I would then have to process and go through because somehow now I was superior because I was the forgiving party. And that was just as bad as being the other way where I was the, you know, uh, forever uh, a grieving party. So I had to learn to surrender these really destructive uh, emotions that all revolved around rights and wrongs and perceived rights and wrongs and judgments and all of that and just begin to treat people the way that I wanted to be treated and not to try to judge them. And all of that became part of forgiveness and without strings without additional emotional baggage that forgiveness became i the the fact that my dad is a sexaholic just like i'm a sexaholic he didn't go out and try to do the things to me that he did because i didn't have anything to do with it because he was a sexaholic long before i was born okay so he wasn't doing them to me even though as jane said they affected me, they hurt me, but they weren't done to hurt me in that way. And I had to learn those exact same things um, as part of learning forgiveness on both sides of it. So it's been a huge growth for me to learn to be a person on equal footing with other people and not to judge them and to forgive them their wrongs and their slights to me, 
uh, and to accept the forgiveness of others without being subordinated to them. So thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Jim. Now's the time for sharing. <clears throat> because our common welfare comes first, here are the guidelines for sharing. If you wish to share, please wait to be recognized by the leader as there is no crosstalk. That is, we share with the group as a whole rather than addressing comments or questions to individual members. We limit the length of our sharing so that everyone here will have a chance to speak. This is a special meeting which deals specifically with couples' relationships, but our purpose in sharing is to discuss ourselves rather than our partners. Sharing shall be pertinent to couples' relationships and that if you wish to talk about your partner, he or she must be present. Our meetings focus on the SNN approach to recovery, so we avoid the mention or discussion of specific titles and authors of publications other than SNN conference-approved literature, which is literature from SNN, SA, Al-Anon, and AA. We leave our other identities outside the discussion, other 12-step issues, philosophies, religions, therapies, and occupations. We speak about and from the SNN point of view. Each member of the group is encouraged to remind other members during the meeting, if necessary, of our commitment to these guidelines. You may do so by simply raising your hand. The meeting is now open for sharing. Please limit your share to three minutes per person. And when you want to share, if you'd please start a, a line up here so we can just go um, right along and get as many shares as we possibly can. So meetings open. Whoever right wants. Okay. Meetings open for share. Hi, I'm Ginger. Um, I'll second the thing on forgiving yourself. That's that's a biggie. Um, because we often are too hard on ourselves. Um, I see him being too hard on himself all the time. He's gotten better at it, <laughs> at being less hard on himself. But... Uh, yeah, I've, I've had to forgive myself in a lot of different ways because I have trouble doing stuff sometimes. And it's like for a while there, I hit my head after an accident and I knew I was dingy. My sister came over and said, you're not thinking straight. And I said, I know, I can't help it. <laughs> so I just had to forgive myself for not being able to do everything I wanted to do. And my brain wasn't working the way I wanted it to work. So I had to accept and forgive and do the best I could. So that's what I did. And I said, every day, I just, I rely on God to get me through. And trying to think, it's been a while. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I had to work on forgiving him one time, um, he had a, what I call a slip of the tongue. Um, and, I didn't even realize I needed to work on it until he apologized the next day about his slip of the tongue. And he was trying to give me a gold medal apology, and I kind of laughed in his face because I couldn't accept it. And I didn't realize. I knew. I went, that wasn't very appropriate. But it didn't dawn on me that actually triggered something in me until he tried to apologize. And then I had to write like nine pages to figure out what it triggered. 
<laughs> and then I could accept his apology and forgive and let go. But I had to figure out what was going on inside of me first. So that helps a lot. Uh, thanks. Hi, my name is Tom. I am a recovering sexaholic. Um, I love that story because, you know, I had been in program for a while and I've done the ninth step amends. I knew how to do this and I did it perfect. And she laughed. And I just went, oh. And I called my sponsor immediately and he laughed too. He thought it was pretty funny. <laughs> so it doesn't always work out how you have it planned. Um, I really enjoyed the part that, and Jane brought it out about process. Um, you know, and, and of course, basic marriage and relationships is the process of forgiving and give and take. And, and, and we all know that. But when it comes to sexaholism, two things kind of come to mind. First, the process of forgiving, and that was covered already. But uh, something that Jim sparked in me was this thing that, that, that I go through, well, not as much now, but I definitely went through is, is sabotaging forgiveness, which is I'm a bad person. I need to get good. And what we learn in SA is that no, we're sick people. We need to get well. And, but what happens is that that voice inside is still saying, no, you're a bad person. You need to get good. And so I too agree that, 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 what I call that bad child, good parent relationship, there's no room in a marriage for that. And getting back to an equal footing was most important, and I'm glad that that was brought out. Um, there's one of the promises talks about not regretting the past nor wishing to shut the door on it. And I was really good about not wanting to shut the door on it. I knew that if I did that, it was just denial. I still today have problems with regrets, you know, and I know that I need to work on that. And that's part of that process of forgiveness for me, forgiving myself. Um, in forgiving others, um, I have to remember that uh, my primary purpose, uh, in, in addition to carrying the message of, of recovery, but my primary purpose is to fit myself to be of maximum service to others. And it's got to start with her at home uh, and then with our adult kids and grandkids and on down the line and relationships, wherever they may be. And the real key to that for me is learning how to really forgive. And I too will not forget many things, um, but I will not let them eat me anymore. Um, you know, so that's kind of my experience with, with both sides of the, of forgiveness and, Jim told me that I could pick some. No, he didn't tell me that. I'm not going <laughs> to. See, everybody went, oh, he's going to pick us. No. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks, Tom. Um, I'm Sandy. I'm an Essanon. Um, been in the program for the last two years. And my journey for the last two years has been mainly of my self-discovery. That how, uh, because of my family of origin issues, how critical I have been and self-judging and uh, self-critical. And because of that, I have sabotaged myself. Like one of the readings says that I have been carrying this load of a big truck, I felt. 
uh, now retrospectively, which I, I didn't know at that time. But as I got free, felt free, freer in the last two years, I really felt, feel that load that I have carried all my years of trying to be perfect and in that process self-judging constantly and very, very critical. But Doing the third step was very critical. One of the critical moments where I truly understood what higher power meant. That means that I am not the higher power. I am a perfectly imperfect human being and there is somebody else who is perfect. I cannot be perfect as a human being. That was, that was, a, that was a revelation for me when I truly emotionally accepted that, that I am not the higher power. I don't have to be perfect. That was, then I started forgiving myself and that was really freeing. And I don't, I, I really, as I f- forgave myself that I don't have to be, oh, I, 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 for everything I was critical about when I said, say something to something, somebody, when I do something, everything I had to be critical about myself. But as I forgave myself and I started loving myself, then I started becoming less judgmental as previous share said about my partner or everybody else around me and another thing I learned about forgiveness was that as if forgiveness is for me not for somebody else when I forgive somebody then I'm not resentful then I'm not angry that's very freeing for me and that's that's the power of forgiveness and I continue as I grow in this program thanks to all of you that I I continue to forgive and forgive others and be judgmental, less judgmental of myself and and my spouse and everybody else. Thanks for letting me share. I'm Robert, recovering sexaholic. Um, when I started this journey in recovery, the the first thing that I had was so much shame and guilt, and going through the process of steps with that was difficult, especially the eighth and ninth steps were difficult because when I was looking at trying to uh, make amends uh, with with all these layers of shame, it was, it, it, it was difficult to achieve and there were also some issues of forgiveness because as a, as an essay, I can always find all kinds of people to blame for my sickness. And once I realized that all of these uh, were based on self-hatred, the most important thing I realized is that self-hatred needs to become self-love. If it, if it doesn't become, then I can't really forgive myself. I can't love myself. And consequently, I cannot love anybody else. And if I can't love anybody else, I can't have a loving relationship with my spouse, with my children, or with anybody else in this world. And I will forever be a victim. I will always be a victim, blaming everyone else and all the circumstances and everything else for my problems. Um, and that just simply doesn't work. The biggest turning point was not to have that shame and guilt and to be able to forgive myself. And that's when, uh, after some, um, after developing a relationship with my higher power, I was able to do that and I could feel that love. And that really helped turn things around. Um, it was incredibly freeing. It was a, a, a load of guilt and shame slipped away. And I was able to look at myself and, and, and say, yes, I've been very imperfect, but, but God is helping me through this recovery journey. 
and I do love myself, I love my spouse, and I love others. And that has been the most important discovery for me in this. And thank you for letting me share. I'm David, a recovering sexaholic. And I guess I'm going first. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, it's great. I'm just going to be able to relax and, and, and listen. Um, when I, I saw the, the name of, of, uh, this, um, meeting, I said, Oh, good. This is, uh, something my wife really needs to, uh, be at. Um, and, um, uh, I just honestly where, where I was, you know, and, and, um, uh, because I, I do very much feel like, um, I am the violator. I am the, uh, the one that's caused the, uh, the turmoil in, in our home. And, uh, as much as, as, um, I think consciously I, I've made leaps and bounds that there's still so much. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that I, I, um, I needed to hear tonight was that, um, as much as, uh, I would like my wife, um, to give me this reassurance that I am forgiven. Um, the truth is I, I haven't fully forgiven myself. Um, and it isn't up to her to do that. Um, and, uh, that is, uh, that is really hard. You know, I think there is so much, uh, layers of, of what that means, uh, and, and a process that I think is going to be, uh, uh, hard and difficult to go through. Um, so I'm just kind of pondering that and, and, um, and sitting with that. Um, you know, I, I think, uh, one of the things that I, uh, felt, uh, felt, um, like I really needed to hear tonight was that, that there is this part of healing that, um, if I don't really get it, uh, I'm going to continue treating people like, uh, like objects. You know, I'm going to continue treating them and, and, and bringing them down, uh, so that I could feel equal, you know, and, and I'll do it in very unhealthy ways and in ways that, that, uh, God has, has not prescribed and is not right. And, uh, that is part of recovery. That is, that is absolutely part of, um, of understanding, um, this problem, you know, thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Hi, I'm Susan, a grateful Essanon. And, um, he actually wanted to come here first, so that's why he's sharing first. But, um, but I, I'm, I wanted to share, <laughs> I wanted to share the other story where I had to ask him for forgiveness. That's very rare. Because usually he's always the one that's pleading for forgiveness or I'm sorry I did this. But 
I think, you know, not that we all struggle with it. I lost my sobriety and I really had my triggers and I dished out every hurtful things I can think of. I had a whole laundry list of things that he's done and um, to hurt me. And I was still holding on to the resentment and I couldn't let go of forgiveness and I couldn't let go of the past. And he wasn't, it's not like he was acting out. It was just more me dealing with all this, the trauma that I had to go through. And, um, and he stuck through it. He sat there. I mean, I, every hurtful things I said, he cried and said, that really hurts, but I'm still here and I'm, I love you. And it was just, it was amazing because that was a different side of my husband that I saw who really either working his program or his relationship with God, but that was not the man that I, I knew before he would have just left and just threw his hands up and like, I, whatever, you can just soak in your anger and I'm just going to leave. I'm not going to deal with this, but he stayed through it, held my hand, like try to get close. And I would always push away and withdraw. And, and he did that for late at night, however long he needed to be there for me. And, um, and it just really helped me to see that he's, he's growing so much and he's really using all the tools and the resource that he has to really make this marriage work. And he just stuck in there and I see the tears and I saw him just being genuine and broken. And, um, and I was the monster. I was the one that was just angry and horrible. And, and he just stayed there and he took it and, um, and just really broke me. And I had to ask him for forgiveness. So that was the other side that I never realized I could even do because I, he, just the way he responded to me just really broke me and helped me to see that, wow, like I have to be the one asking as well. It wasn't just the other way around. It's both of us. We're both working at this and just very grateful for him and his recovery. And it's, we've, we've only been going through this for two years, but I feel like we've grown a lot and he's, he's done his part and I feel like I need to work on mine. And it's so hard for us because we have this justified anger um, you know, you've done this, he's done this, he hurt me and, and I have every reason to be upset and every reason to curse and whatever it is that I need to dish at him, but he's a human being and I, I was not treating him like one. So I'm just grateful that you guys are letting us share. It is a process. I'm Dave. Hi. I'm a member of SA. And Annette whispered to me, they're looking at you. <laughs> and I said, you're looking at me. <laughs> so anyway, um, as has been said, the hardest part for me for as far as forgiveness is to forgive myself. Um I still struggle with that. I've been around the program for quite a while. I've been sober for quite a while. And yet those thoughts come in there and talk about, talk to me about 
uh, the fact that, as somebody said, I'm a bad person rather than a sick person, that I have to get well, I have to work harder at getting, that I have to work harder at getting better to be more of a good person where the reality is I have to be a healthier person. Um, I, over the years, and I've shared this before, um, have never felt, I don't think, that there were very many times when I had to forgive Annette for anything that was going on in our life. It was always me. I was the cause of the turmoil. And it goes all the way back to our beginning many years ago. Um, uh, for a long time, for the first 25 or 30 years, um, I drank a lot. And this particular um, disease that we're discussing tonight was always there. It was buried more under the alcohol, but it was there. So when I got into another program and kind of took care of that first one, the second one got a little stronger, took over a little more. And it took me about 10 years from the time I got in this door to really start building up some sobriety because I just didn't get it. Um, maybe I didn't want to get it. I don't know. Circumstances came to be that it started to work for me, and um, I started meeting or paying attention to my fellows in the program other people in both of these programs. Um, one thing I know is that we would not be together. There's no doubt about that were I not in program. And I believe there's no doubt that we wouldn't be together if Annette wasn't in Essendon. So I'm eternally thankful for the Essendon program as well. And thanks for letting me share. Hi, I'm Annette. And, you know, um, he, Dave's correct. There was quite a bit that I had to forgive him for. The thing is that I wasted an awful lot of time waiting for him to apologize to me, to make this gigantic apology and, you know, throw himself on my mercy so that, as someone else shared, I could be in the superior position and I could very graciously say, go in peace, slave, you know. And 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 he didn't do it. And so I kept holding out and holding out and holding the resentment and refusing to forgive him because he wouldn't beg me. And really, it was a little unrealistic. And I really, truly regret the time that I wasted um, not forgiving him because it hurt me and I'm sure it hurt him. I don't know. He didn't act as though he, uh, he, he just kind of hung in there because I think he was patient. I don't know. But anyway, I really am very sorry that I didn't forgive you sooner because, um, every, Day that we spend together is precious, and um, I 
used to think we wouldn't be together at all. I didn't think there was any hope for us. And the fact that we're still here, that our family is intact, that everything is okay one day at a time, um, is a miracle. And it wasn't until I asked my higher power for the grace to forgive him that it happened. And it didn't happen the next night either. But I... I mean, it, it, I couldn't have done it by myself. I realized that because I, I was stubborn. I was refusing to do it. And when I realized that I was hurting me and him and our relationship by not doing it, I had to make a conscious, um, attempt to do it. And I don't think he even noticed actually, but, <laughs> but it's all, it's all good. It's all okay. So, Keep coming back. It works if we work it. So thank you for letting me share. Hi, I'm Greg. Uh, both a sexaholic and a grave member of Essanon. So I have to share from both perspectives. And no, do not change the topic back to health and sexuality. I'm tired of that meeting. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, um, you know, I spent time as a sexaholic in a relationship other than this being the bad guy all the time. I spent the time being the bad guy, feeling like I was the one that ruined everything, doing all that stuff. I got recovered for that. That relationship didn't last. That was, you know, history. I got in this relationship and stayed sober mostly, basically through the thing. And, uh, and then discovery happened for me as an Essanon. And now I wanted to be the good guy. I wanted to be the one that held it over. I wanted to have that power that I felt I was under from before. And, uh, it was nasty. It was not a good thing. Um, it was very broken inside of me. Um, it, there was, there was a lot of the, the fight inside of me of, well, look, I didn't do it this time. It wasn't me. It was the other person. And I'm going to hold, aha, I have you now. Um, and, uh, it, that's, yeah. Um, those are some of the reasons I decided to join Essendon. Um, because I saw all the sickness inside of me. Um, and, um, I struggle with that. There's times when I'm like, um, I didn't get to, um, have the experience either. Um, as I shared before, I didn't experience either of the groveling kind of begging for forgiveness experience that I so desired. Um, and, uh, um, I was like, well, all the other people in SA, they all grovel. Why isn't this happening for me? Um, and, um, I had to, I had to really come to terms with the fact that I needed to forgive without that. And it's hard. And there's times when I still am tempted by that. You can hear it in my voice. You can hear it in my share. There's times when that's tempting. The, the, that power kind of position is tempting. It's, it's very intoxicating. And I think for me, that's my acid on intoxication is that power, that control, that being 
on the the person over the other. Um, but it's destructive as well. It's incredibly destructive for me. Um, some of the ways I had to learn to forgive when I was not getting what I wanted back was actions. Um, I'm grateful for both programs because one taught me that I had to take actions of love to improve relations with others. And um, I brought that into my Essendon program. Um, and I started taking actions. And uh, I hated them, but I had to do them anyways. Um, and so things got better when I did that. Things, I mean, they're not, I don't do it all the time. And God knows I want to, there's times when I, I, I slip back into the, te- the my, my non-temptations of wanting to have that, well, you never really apologized. Uh, I never got a real amends. Um, and, uh, and you know what? I, I have to surrender that. And, uh, and that's, that's part of my daily surrender. My time's up, so I'm going to stop sharing things. Let me share. I'm Lauren, and I'm also a member of SA as well as SNON. Um, and that's really confusing, honestly. <laughs> I'm an addict, I'm a codependent, what am I not? Um, it's, anyway, um, so, I think for me I have just a realization of just like two different modes of operation. You know, when we're, fighting about something and I sense that there is a lack of forgiveness on regarding something that's happened. Um, I tend to either just cower in shame and just say, you know, yes, like in my mind, it's like, I know I've done this, but I don't, I, I can't tell you anything right now in this moment. I can't tell you what you want to hear. I can't make it all better. I can't make it go away. And so I just want to cower in shame and just shut down. Um, and then there's the other side of like, you know what? No, like I'm not the piece of crap that I feel like I am. Um, cause that's my, that is my initial like mode is I, I'm crappy. I suck. I can't not only can I not do what I want to do and be the person I want to be, I can't be the person that you want me to be. And that is so frustrating for me um, to just feel that time and time again. So sometimes it's like I cower in shame because of it. And the other times I just fight it. Like, no, like you're, you're just plain wrong. Um, and the reality is, is for me, like the forgiveness, um, the things that get in the way of that is just my pride, my shame, uh, my expectations, um, and my resentment. Um, resentment really is what got me into SA. Um, I was building all kinds of resentment, not dealing with it, and thinking that any solution would be better than facing what I was dealing with. Um, and not like dealing with him like that he was doing something, but just I couldn't face what was going on in the relationship. Um I don't like talking about this. This is really hard. I didn't want to come up here. Um, I was getting lots of looks as well. Well, actually he was, but, um, I don't know. I think it's like my addict wants to claim righteousness and, um, but at the same time, um, also says I'm inferior and I'm not deserving of forgiveness. And that is just so, so stinking confusing. Um, but in my sane moments, um, and I have those sometimes, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm able to recognize kind of what some people have said is like, Greg's human, I'm human. Um, we both make mistakes. 
and sometimes I have to like remind myself he didn't intend to hurt me. Like this is, this is not what he intended. Like, you know, and, and just letting some of those things go, but also giving them to God because I'm someone that I can just brush it under the rug and just say, Oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to let it go. And there, and it's still there. It's still painful. And the other thing is, is sorry, I feel like I'm all over the place, but asking for what I need. Um, a lot of times I expect him to know, um, what I'm thinking and what I need. And when he doesn't do that, then it's like, I'm angry and I don't want to forgive because it's like, don't you know me better than that by now? I've been married almost 10 years, you know, like, don't you know? And the reality is, you know what? Like, I don't always know. (laughs) I don't know how I expect him to know what I don't even know all the time. Um, you know, and so the reality is, is for me, I need, I need God to be able to forgive him. I need God to be able to accept the things that I've done and the mistakes that I make and continue to make in order to, um, like to accept my, for me, it's accepting my higher powers forgiveness that I'm not, that I'm actually a worthwhile person. And so is he like, we're just different. I think I've gone over my time. I think you turned the timer off on me. So uh, that's it. Thank you for that. I'm Ron. Um, first of all, thank you all for being here because I recognize in every one of these meetings, I, I, I come away with something that I needed to hear. Um, the process of forgiving process is a key word for me in this, in the forgiving. Um, well, well, first of all, to forgive in my past was just something I said. It wasn't something I felt. Uh, um, and to forgive was something I said to avoid the feelings that I needed to forgive for. Um, I also appreciate someone how, how someone has said to be, to be able to forgive yourself is for me. I'm recognizing as the first step because if I can't forgive myself, then. Any forgiveness that I'm trying to receive or that someone is trying to, to, to give to me, then I judge that forgiveness. How can you possibly forgive such a a-hole? Um, because I couldn't forgive myself, so I couldn't accept that forgiveness. Um, the other, another thing that I recognize is that if my motivation of my behavior, of my recovery, if my motivation is to be forgiven, then that's not the right motivation. Um, I can't do this program for her. I do the program for me, and the benefit of that is this relationship. Um, the forgiveness is, a, is, is what allows... The acceptance and the giving of forgiveness is what allows the connection. Um, and I'm grateful for whatever part of that I can get, I can give. Um, so thanks. Thanks, Ron. Hi. I'm Mary. Hi, Mary. Grateful as a non-member. <clears throat> I think the key to this um, topic is process. 
um, as it was said before, it's it's not a one-time thing. It's kind of a continual thing. Um, I think that there is a lot of discovery about how much um, forgiveness I I had to ask for from my partner because I brought a lot of stuff into this relationship um, that contributed to the problems. And if we were going to go forward in our recovery, uh, I really had to accept my part in it. And um, that's not easy. That's hard to do. But it ultimately not only benefited me, but benefited our coupleship because um, I was able to say, this is, this is what I've done. Can you forgive me? And it was a kind of a strange position because, you know, he was like, what? <laughs> but um, I think if, if we get in that power struggle of, you know, who needs to be give, forgiven more, you know, somebody is a victim. And um, <laughs> so I wasn't naming anybody. But, um, so, you know, I feel like when, when there's that victim hood in, in when we're relating to each other, it's just a shame pit. It just, it's like, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to be either part of it, whether I'm in it myself or whether he's dragging me in his. Um, so usually that's a, that's a red flag to me. If, if, if there's this, like who, who's a victim in, in whatever we're trying to work out, it's just something that we have to work out. So, um, part of our Essanon, um, readings are about being honest, open-minded and willing. And for me, willing is the key. We do not do things perfectly. Um, but we're both willing to sit there and say, we're not doing this perfect, but you know, what, what can we do? And if there needs to be forgiveness in that process, then we'll go there even when it's uncomfortable. So we have to be okay with with the uncomfortable. This is very uncomfortable. <laughs> Thank you for letting me share. Hello, hello. <laughs> My name's Glenn. And, uh, I'm an SA member. And our topic tonight is of forgiveness. Um, Marlis and I's story is a little different than a lot of people's story. Uh, a lot of guys go out on their wives. They go out and have sexual relations. And of course, emotionally, that hurts the wives. Uh, Marlis and I, um, when we got married, she had a couple of miscarriages and, uh, 
for whatever reason, decided that uh, those miscarriages emotionally hurt and she didn't want to lose any more babies. And at the time, I was going through some emotional struggles in my life. My dad was in the process of dying of cancer. My mom's never been healthy. Uh, I had a tyrant boss at work at the time, and a lot of things were going on. So when she was going through the miscarriages, I was going through my own emotional struggles. And so I wasn't there for her, and she wasn't there for me. So we kind of separated a little bit there, and uh, she decided that she would hide her pain and, and uh, eliminate her um I guess, uh, emotions with me by just cutting off sex in our home. So, uh, a, a lot of people would say, well, wow, <laughs> you know, how long have you been married? Well, we've been married this coming November will be 24 years. But, you know, we struggled and in the first five years of that marriage and going through the miscarriages and all that and having sex cut off at home, I went for five years uh, before I finally, you know, and we were church-going people, and, and uh, you know, I finally rationalized my problem and said, well, gosh, we're really great, upstanding Christian people, and we, uh, you know, we're active in the church, and everybody that uh, knows us loves us, and, you know, we're doing great. Let's just keep doing what we're doing. And then this little bit over here called sex well, I'll take care of that by going out and getting it elsewhere. And so I did. And, uh, you know, I've learned uh, from a forgiveness perspective, I've got to forgive myself for making wrong decision to go do that. I should have stuck with my wife through thick or through thin. I should have uh, abstained from going outside of my marriage ever. And I should have realized that, she obviously has some kind of emotional problem. Maybe she needs to go see a doctor, and we should have went that route instead of the route that I went. So uh, what we learn in essay is that our problem compounds itself. It keeps getting worse and worse and worse and worse. We start out maybe going out on our wives once every two or three or four months or twice a year or something, and, God, by the time four or five, six years go by, ten years, for me, it was by the time 20 years went by, I was going to a massage parlor about three times a week and uh, acting out there. Uh, I won't tell you about the whole progression leading up to that. So anyway, the, the story is forgiveness. It's hard. Uh, how How can I forgive my wife for taking away all my opportunity to ever have children? Okay. I mean, I'm sitting here almost 60 years old now. So even if she were to all of a sudden decide that, you know, we want to start having sex in bedroom again, isn't it a little late? And how can I forgive my wife for taking away my opportunity to have children, grandchildren, et cetera, down the road? But that's where I have to uh, go back and, and realize that I have a higher power and that higher, higher power makes it possible for me to forgive and like the one lady said up here, not forget, but at least forgive and, you know, keep living our life forward and moving forward. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't 
realize that I had this problem until Marlis decided she wanted to divorce me when she found out I was hitting the massage parlor three times a week and acting out there. And when we got married, divorce was not ever in, in question in, in my family. It's like, you know, you work things out, uh, no matter what. So I'm still relying on my higher power and, uh, trying to trust in him that things going forward will be better. And, uh, forgiveness, I'm still working on that. I'm still trying. That's a hard one to forgive. Not ever being able to have kids and grandkids and whatever might have been in the future for me. Hi, I'm Marlis. And I'm an Hessenon member. And forgiveness is, is a process. And, um, there is forgiveness on both sides that's needed. There are, Sins on both sides against each other. Um, and I think we're, we're new to this. So we're just, um, getting our toes wet in the whole process, but we know we have a higher power. I know I have a higher power that, uh, loves me dearly and will see us through. And there's a lot of healing that needs to go on. There's a lot of, a lot of conversation and, um, rediscovering what uh, God has for us. And there's lots of processes to go through, and forgiveness is just one of them. And uh, at least we are at this point, we are committed to to going through that process and, and letting him control our lives and see where it takes us. Thank you. Thanks for letting us share. Hi, I'm Yvonne, a grateful Essanon. Um, you know, it's interesting when this journey started, um, I was, needless to say, pretty angry and not feeling very forgiving at all. And what I've learned along the way is actually I'm human and flawed and not always perfect, amazingly, and neither is he. And that's where the forgiveness started. When I realized that we both have our stuff, I'm, I haven't been so such the wonderful wife the whole time. Um, and so in learning to forgive myself for that, it was much, much easier to forgive him for his humanity, really, his imperfectness. Um, that's all I got. Thanks. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ted. Okay. Um, I have a short share also. Um, I don't think I ever really had an expectation that Yvonne, I'm not waiting for Yvonne to formally forgive me. What I'm trying to do is to walk my side of the street and to what happened in the past happened in the past, and I can't change that. It is what it is. Um, but what I can do today and what I've been doing in program for the last six and a half years and will do for the rest of my life is to continue to work on myself and to make sure that I am honest and present and in the moment as much as I can be um, and and just to be a better person and that that's the journey and that's the process that I'm going through um, as I work through um, kind of my recovery and work through the, the wreckage that I've created.
Um, on the flip side, and Yvonne's, I think, said it so beautifully, is um, I think we've both have, I've come to realize that Yvonne, too, is not perfect and that she's flawed and she's human. Um, <laughs> and, and, and her, uh, and her halo does slip sometimes. Um, and, um, but I'm okay with that and I have that acceptance and that's okay. Um, and I know that she's working her program. Um, I, um, she's working her program. I'm working my program. Um, and that we'll, we'll be successful. I have lots of hope that we'll work through this, um, and we'll continue this journey forever. So thank you for letting me share. Hi, I'm Janie. Janie. Grateful Essendon member. Um, We were sitting back there and I was thinking, oh, I have something to say, but I'm not really sure I can say it. And that usually is means that's what I need to share. So I'm up here. (laughs) Um, About two months ago, my husband had knee replacement surgery. And uh, he was in the hospital and he was on the brink of coming home. And in the past, I've had a really hard time with putting someone else's needs in front of mine, particularly his. And um, I I prayed the day before he came home from the hospital. I prayed to reframe whatever feelings I was feeling. I was I didn't know. I was feeling angry and resentful. And um, I prayed to be able to reframe it, and I thought I had, and then he came home. And um, I was angry. I was angry, resentful. I was trying to be understanding, loving, caring, all the things I felt like I should be and wanted to be. But I was angry, and I didn't understand why. And I noticed in my in our relationship at times when he needed something, usually he was on the other side of the house and uh, needed, would call me for something, and he would say, you know, can you come here you know, and help me with this? And I would just angrily, like, throw down whatever I was doing and go run over there and think to myself, Why are your needs more important than mine? And then it dawned on me as I was going through this process of caring for him um, and not being able to stop my emotions. And I have become so good at stuffing my emotions that I didn't know I was angry and resentful. I didn't know. I just knew I was unhappy and stressed out. And... um, Somewhere along the way, either, I think it came in a moment of prayer and meditation in the morning. It came to me that my anger and my resentment was not really at him, but it was really at my mother and my father. My mother, because she was depressed for so much of my life, and she needed me. And so her needs always came before mine. And then my father, who was angry a lot, would yell, I need you right now, or I need help, and you jumped. You didn't have a choice, or I didn't have a choice. And so when I started putting those two things together, I realized 
okay, so it's really not about him. And it's really not about what's going on today. I'm in triggering mode. I'm in trauma. I'm, I'm, I'm reliving all these earlier moments. And when I realized that I had to come to him and apologize and just say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for her, how horribly I treated you, how much you were the target of my anger and my resentment, my pain. And for me, it was hard to say I'm sorry because I heard my mother say, I'm so sorry, honey, over and over and over and over. But I never wanted to say that. And so for me to come to a place of saying, I'm so sorry because you didn't deserve what I was giving you. And to understand where that trauma and pain was coming from was really, really big. We worked it out in a couples therapy session And I guess the best thing that he said to me, I guess I didn't realize what was happening until he said at one point before that session, could you come here and help me with something? You don't have to come here right now. And it triggered this whole thing of like, oh, I don't have to go right now because I never realized I did. I had a choice because I didn't have a choice before. And that was probably one of the most healing things he's ever said to me. I need you right now. I need you, but I don't need you right now, right this minute. And for me, it was a really healing moment to really kind of put two and two together, figure it out. And then I knew that I had to ask for forgiveness. And it's been really freeing for me to understand and to connect those things. And I've been in recovery for five and a half years. And I'm just now beginning to identify anger and resentment that I hold inside because it was buried so deep. I didn't recognize that I had any. Thanks for letting me share. Wish I'd have gone first. My name's uh, Gordon. I'm a grateful recovering sex addict. Yes, when I, I came home from uh, surgery, I was the uh, first, first day I came home, right... Right away, I, I felt there was something wrong. Every time I would, I couldn't get out of, I couldn't move too much with uh, my knee. Right away after getting out of the hospital, and I would ask her for something, and she would, uh, you know, just it was like she just didn't want to, you know, do anything, or if you know, you could feel the uh, resentment she had. And so after a couple of days, I got so I. I wouldn't ask her anymore. And, but what happened was I was recognizing that I was getting resentments toward her. And for me, resentments, I live on, you know, before recovery, I lived on resentment. Uh, I, uh, that's what I would enjoy the most. If I could have resentment towards somebody, that was, that was, uh, for me, the best thing. And I was laying in bed, I think, uh, I think on Sunday and I realized that I finally realized this wasn't about me. And, you know, through my own recovery and my own uh, higher power, I, it was like, this is, this is something about between her mother and, and her. Because I knew the story about her mother and both of them when she, when Janie was 14. So I just knew that what, what was happening was that 
it, this was throwing her back to 14 years old and not wanting to, you know, take care of me like she had to take care of her mother. And I can remember, I just let it go. But I, I can remember when Janie went to work, I think on Monday, I was, you know, her mother came over and I was never so glad to see her mother. <laughs> yeah. I was never so glad to see her mother. Uh, you know, I thought, you know, it was just a relief in a way just to have that tension out of the house. But we did talk about it. We had a check in that, that, that sun, uh, that Sunday. And for, for both of us, I, you know, I could have sat there and said, yeah, I know or something, but I, I just let her talk. And before it would have been easy for me just to shrug it off. But that was something where with her, you know, asking me to, for, you know, asking me to, if she'd for, if she'd forgive me or if I'd forgive her, you know, I'm still on pain meds. So it's a little. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm still foggy when it comes to sharing even or even trying to talk to somebody. So, but for us, it really, it, it was a turning point for us in our recovery and in working as a couple. So thank you. Thank you for sharing. You know, when I first came into program and heard about these, uh, these steps and, and uh, making amends, I couldn't wait for him to go through all of his steps and come sit down and, you know, apologize for all of these things. And I had a very, very long list of things that I wanted him to apologize for. Um, and it's been what, 12 years now and I've never, I've never, we've never had that sit down. Um, and, but I don't need that sit down anymore because I don't know when, but at some point I realized that's, that's not, that's not what this is about. There's, there's something called living amends and life is different. He is different. I am different. I've, I've not sat down and, and I'm sure he's got a pretty long list too, but I've never sat down and apologized to him for everything I've done for the past However many years, and it's because well, we're different. It, it's not. It's not about a list for me of apologies. It's living different. It's it's being different and working the program and being different people. And so I no longer expect. There's that word again. Those, um, you know, something like a sit down with a, a whole bunch of apologies. So for me, it's it's the living men's. That's 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 what. That's part of forgiveness. Okay, that um, is all the time that we have for share- sharing. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, um, and hope regarding your relationships. If you did not have a chance to share, please find someone after the meeting with whom you may do so. This is an anonymous program. Please keep all names and shares you have heard in this meeting to yourselves. And may I have a volunteer to read the gifts, please? Anybody? Hi, I'm Annette. Gifts of the Essendon Program. 
When we approach the process of recovery with honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness to apply the principles of the 12 steps to our lives, we will soon begin to see the rewards. We will become able to surrender our self-defeating behavior. We will find that we have the strength and insight to make good choices for ourselves. Our ability to act positively on behalf of our health, families, jobs, and bank accounts will amaze us. We will find that others are doing things for themselves, which we thought we had to do for them. Our ability to give and receive love will expand tremendously, and we will become increasingly available for loving relationships with others. We will recover the feeling of joy. We will become more honest with ourselves and experience a new comfort in our intimate relationships. We will feel the security that arises from true fellowship with others in the program, knowing that we are loved and accepted just as we are. Feelings of failure and inadequacy will be replaced by self-confidence and independence of spirit. We will no longer expect other people to provide us with an identity or a sense of self-worth. We will find the courage to be true to ourselves. We will know peace of mind and feel a stronger connection with the higher power of our understanding. And our hope will turn to faith that God is really working in our lives as we explore the wonders of serenity, dignity, and emotional growth. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.